Selamat datang semuanya. I'm Alan Hallowell, and this is Indotechno. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of the Endotechno Podcast. Now, the growing global environmental movement has revealed the leather industry as one of the most damaging contributors to pollution and climate change. In addition to the damage caused by farming and slaughter practices, processing leather itself has significant environmental impacts. Tanning leather, for instance, generates a large amount of waste and water pollution. This realization has led to secular growth in alternatives to leather. The alternative leather market, in fact, has been forecast to grow to 89.6 billion U.S. dollars by the year 2025. Players in such far-ranging industries as automotive, fashion, and furniture have themselves steadily introduced alternatives to leather for years. We're very pleased to have on the Indotechno podcast Adi Nugroho, CEO and co-founder of MYCL, a leading startup in Indonesia's leather alternative space, focused on the cultivation of mushrooms as a key alternative. Thanks for joining us today, Adi. Hi, Alan. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Now, Adi, you founded, quote unquote, Mushroom DIY Company way back in 2012. Tell us about the path that led you to found the company. Yeah, back in 2012, we were in college Back then, there's some instant competitions. One of the idea is we want to create new things from agricultural business, agribusiness. And then we see mushrooms. It's very interesting. And we can grow it everywhere. And we are just thinking why we then put it inside the box. And we sell it to customers so people can grow the mushrooms anywhere, in their house, in their office. And when we sell it, People love it. People are used to grow their own food. So it also creating a campaign that we can grow our own food anywhere, anytime. Excellent. Nice to have the backstory there. Now, for the benefit of the uninitiated, could you actually finish off this list that you started of prominent benefits of fabricating with mushroom? Yeah. So when we try to sell these mushrooms, because my background is architecture and my co-founder is biotech engineer. We're just thinking what other applications can be used from this mushroom technology. So we spent the profit for doing research. And then in 2016, we also figured out that these mushrooms can also be used for alternative materials. The first iteration back then was building materials. So we designed building materials using mycelium composite and we collaborate with Etehazeri in order to increase the performance to replicate or mimic concrete and steel structure. So we showcase it in Seoul Architecture Biennale and it works. So we see that the mushroom mycelium is having the ability to create a unique strong materials without having any plastic because usually when we create a composite we require a lot of resin epoxy or fossil fuel base meanwhile this technology can eliminate this or at least reduce in significant amount and when we test it using for example formaldehyde emission content 
these materials is having less than 0.05 ppm, which having a five-star rating in Japan standard guideline. So we see the material is very promising to replace our plastic or even for application in building materials. And the latest one is fashion. Fantastic. I was not aware of all the work you did with mushrooms and building materials. I did, however, want to instead tighten the discussion to compare the primary attributes of mushroom or mycelium-based leather versus traditional cowhide-based leathers. Yeah, and sure. In 2018, we also discovered that these materials can also be harvested and converted or processed into leather-like materials. We see the materials at the beginning is quite weak, but after several iterations, now we can achieve similar components to leather. This is quite important in the industry because we see that the mycelium or the leather, it's very polluting. I live in Bandung, nearby the polluted Chitarum River, which having highly concentrated chromium, mercury, and many heavy metals that's coming from garment industry or leather industry. So it is pretty bad. By using this kind of new materials, we can eliminate those things. We don't use traditional tanning process. We don't use animal, even we don't use animal to grow it, which also having less emissions compared to animal cow leather. Adi, over the 11 years of the company, what aspects of our product have we been improving or refining? So we see at the beginning, the material is quite weak, but after several iterations, we also figuring out that the materials able to achieve the leather standard, at least footwear standard, the highest standard in the industry at this very moment. So we improving the flexibility so the materials can become more flexible, 100,000 cycles. The operation can stand up to 30,000 cycles. The standard is only 200 footwear. The latest one is the tensile strength and field strength. So we develop the post-treatment process and how we grow the materials, combine it together. We can achieve very efficient production and yet high performance materials. That's one thing. Another thing is on the emissions. We can reduce the carbon emissions. And just recently, this year, we can achieve negative carbon footprint if we measure the carbon sequestration. So it's quite significant to help the industry to decarbonize. So that's the developments that we made in the past 11 years. Gotcha. Now, you and I met through a couple of Singapore's accelerators or incubators years ago. Can you tell us what specific programs, services, or interactions have been the most beneficial to MYCL's development? Yeah. So back then, we were not quite familiar with the fashion industry. So in order to increase our capacity, better if we applied for incubator program related to fashion. So we're glad that we joined the fashion incubator in 
Singapore of TAS, TBSI, and learn many things. For example, how to build brands, how to work with fashion brands, what was the challenge in the fashion brands. Recently, through these incubators, we also connected with Fashion for Good, another fashion incubator in Netherlands. They have a lot of resources and connections to the fashion house. The latest one is we secure paid partnerships with at least six brands, global brands, in order to create a capsule collection using mycelium product. I think without this kind of program, we're not able to meet our customers and collaborate with them. That's fantastic to hear. I know that there are so many accelerators and incubators out there, each and every one with a very noble goal of assisting the entrepreneur and the startup. But I've found that the value add of a lot of these groups is either not sustainable, sometimes isn't relevant, or otherwise really doesn't help drive the entrepreneur to the success he or she is thinking of or pursuing. And so it's really good to hear that you guys have had some very beneficial engagements, not just in Asia, but evidently in Europe. Now, I assume many, if not most of your target customers put our material through a lot of testing. Can you tell us about this process? Yeah. So usually on the sales cycles, we have our sampling process, POC or launch capsule collections. The latest one is the full collections. So at this current moment, we are quite privileged to get a lot of customers approaching us. So we spend $0 on the marketing. Usually on sampling process, they do some testing, uh, small testing, either trials or even creating something using small amount of mycelium leather. Once they like it, they can go to, to the POC, which much more structured. Usually we plan to launch small amount of prototypes, whether launch it internally or to certain target customers. And usually brands do a lot of iterations in this process to ensure that the material meets the requirements. And once they like it, they can go to the full collections, which they produce more in larger quantity, and then people can buy it in their stores or their sales channels. At this current moment, we have at least 50 plus brands, either local in Indonesia or global, that are in the either sampling or POC stage. Of course, next challenge is how can we go to the full scale? There's things that we need to ensure that we have in scale in order to supply these existing customers need. Wow, 50 plus brands, that's very encouraging. So what are our biggest customer segments right now? We see customers from the fashion industry. The latest one we also see is coming from the automotive industry. But at this current moment, we are targeting the fashion brands who are more focused on creating handbags or sneakers because most of the leather usage is coming from either footwear or handbags or accessories. So this is our low-hanging fruit. But we also see that automotive 
consuming a lot of leather and EV cars is driving for the OEM to create more sustainable cars. So they need to find other alternatives. So some companies already not using any leather in the production line. So we see that as opportunities, but that's for the long-term goals. Then it's very well where our clients mostly coming from the fashion industry. So can we find end products in specific stores, for instance, in Singapore or Jakarta with MYCL as an input? Yeah. So at this current moment, we are available in either online or a pop-up store. The latest one, we were in Lumine Jakarta and the upcoming one, we will be in Lumine Sijuku. So we're glad that a lot of interest also coming from department stores overseas. And this is also a good chance for us to bring our bread partners overseas. Because usually when pickling for local brands, they're not able to do export using leather. Some countries are banning leather sourcing from Indonesia due to the bad wastewater treatment. So once they use our materials, now our brand can export overseas. We have one case called Hijack Sandals. They tried to use our mycelium leather last year. Usually they're never able to go to Japan or overseas. Once they use these materials, they can go to Japan retail stores. And it sold about less than a month for 200 pairs of shoes. And now they have a permanent pop-up store in Parco Sibuya. So uh, we're glad that our customers not only benefiting from the environmental aspect, also the economical aspect. They can sell it with higher margin now. They can go overseas, having new customers. And I hope we can also bring this answer to the other brands that we currently working with. Now, I think you've mentioned in the past that our current focus markets are Singapore and Japan. A, why is that? And B, what markets are we likely to enter next? We work with BCG Jakarta Pro Bono to create the market landscape. They try to sort 190 plus countries based on the environmental index, free trade agreements, income levels. And we see seven countries, including Singapore, Japan, and the other one is Korea and Australia. So we see at least three countries, Japan, Korea, and Australia. For Australia, recently we had collaborations with Invest Victoria. They bring us to Melbourne Fashion Week. Last month, we also participate in this event. The goal is to testing the market. We bring five brands to this event and get feedback and explore collaboration opportunities in Australia. The unique thing is Australia, 60% of adults in Australia favor vegan products, which quite align with our values. We want to strengthen our market in Asia because most of the customers for vegan leather mostly based in Asia in terms of their biggest size 
and big firms. Understood. Now, I assume that one of Mylea's many clear benefits is that it's biodegradable. Well, wouldn't that mean it could disintegrate with the passage of time or, for instance, when exposed to water over long periods of time? No. When we use these materials, it won't degrade naturally. We can still use it. I have a bag and a hard wallet. It holds up to three years. So, for example, like this wallet here, it's already three years now. Still okay. But if you want to biodegrade these materials, we can put it in the home composting. So you can put it under the soil based on our test result. It can fully biodegrade in 90 days compared to animal leather. Usually it takes about 18 weeks. Synthetic leather will take hundred or even thousand years. But the material still okay. Even this wallet has been my path tab, getting wet, getting sweaty still having the same quality and uh, clinical properties. Got you. And my next question is obviously, how difficult is it to make a mushroom risotto with your wallet? A mushroom risotto. Of course, the mycelium is safe to eat, but we don't suggest our customers to eat cut wallet. <laughs> now, tell us about MYCL supply chain. If you're talking about how we grow the mycelium, we grow using agricultural waste, which is quite abundant in Indonesia, in Southeast Asia. Somehow, people just lave it in the field, and in Indonesia, somehow, it's we're creating haze. We see a lot of problem recently in terms of the massive fire deforestation. I think these kind of solutions by converting this unused agricultural waste into valuable product is preventing the deforestation or fire, forest fire. And at this current moment, we collaborate with biomass producer to convert agricultural waste. Recently, we also created GVV in Japan. Now in Japan, we also collaborate with mushroom farmers and we spend zero dollar capex to scale our production in Japan. The reason why is first, they already have established a production line for growing mushrooms. We plug in our technology. Now they can create the mycelium ladder. This model is working because common misunderstanding is the, our setup is heavily capex, but with this kind of model, we can reduce the capex. We can also do like profit sharings with them, collaborations having a local market in their regions. This kind of supply chain is ensure we can scale the productions. Recently, now we also try to collaborate with bigger biomass producer in Indonesia. We're also willing to spend or allocating a dollar amount to help us scale the productions because they are interested to converting their agricultural waste into valuable products. And, and on top of that, they can do the uh, carbon sequestration or preventing carbon emissions from their plantations. So the model is work. So now we try to scale the productions with uh, several production partners. Interesting solutions to what I would have feared would be a very capex intensive 
manufacturing process. Now, Adi, what is the size of our business currently in terms of customers and revenues? And what are our 2025 year-end targets? Yeah, at this current moment, we have, as I mentioned, 60 plus customers. The total contracted value is up to 2 million US dollars. In Japan itself, they can produce 30,000 square foot equal to 1 million US dollar of revenue. This is just the beginning because if we see the 60 plus customers and assuming the total needs from 1% of their annual production, it can reach 50 million square foot of mycelium ladder equal to 260 million US dollars. So this is only coming from our existing customers. And I think the next goal is we want to ensure that we have enough capacity in order to fulfill these existing customers so we can convert it into revenue. Now, those are pretty eye-watering targets. Now, coming back to the relative benefits of mycelium over animal leather, if we, for instance, indeed hit our 2025 targets, how many cows would otherwise survive? How much water might we save? How much tanning effluent can be avoided? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. Based on our greenhouse gas emissions calculations, if we're producing at least 250,000 square foot in 2024, we can avoid 430 tons of CO2 emission every year. 7,000 cows can be seized. We can also prevent up to 1.5 million liters. And we can also avoid freshwater usage up to 240 million liters. So this is just 250,000 square foot. We also see that each brand Typically, they producing up to 1 million square foot just to produce one article of shoes. It's only quarter on the existing typical production size for one article of shoes. Imagine if we can produce more, how much impact we can generate. Absolutely. Now, you touched upon this a bit earlier, but can you tell us a little more about the role that Japan has played in automation, scaling up, etc.? And how our Japan ops relate to our Indonesian business? I asked this because when we interacted several years ago, Japan was not as front and center as it is today. Can you share with us a little more color? Yeah, Japan is one of the countries having advanced manufacturing for producing mushrooms. And they're already using automation systems in the past 30 years. So yeah, we're glad that we tend to make with one of the mushroom producers in Japan, they quite open to collaborate with us. So we did some trials in the past 10 months. When we do this, we see that the yield of production is increased. The second one is the manpower needs also reduced because some of the process is automated. Also, we can see that we can speed up the process because we can eliminate some process and, and speed up the durations to grow the mycelium leather. And of course, the ultimate goal is reducing the production costs. So at this current moment, we can achieve less COGM 
means we can generate a higher margin now. The next stage is you want to replicate all of this stuff, not only in Japan, but also back to Indonesia, where we'll have bigger production. And by having this, hopefully we can generate more production yield with efficient and lower costs. Wow, cost savings by bringing Japan into the mix. I have to say that turns common wisdom on its ear. I'm used to hearing of manufacturers leaving Japan for lower cost jurisdictions such as Indonesia. So that's quite fascinating. Now, Adi, whom do we regard as our comps globally? And if we look at them, what can we expect looking at their progress? Yeah, we respect our competitors, whether it's direct competitors or indirect competitors. For direct competitors who are using mycelium leather, I think they are quite good. Some companies are skilled in manufacturing process at this current moment in U.S. They also collaborating with the fashion house. It means that the material is accepted by the market. Now they try to fulfill in larger scale. For this kind of industry, we see that there's no winner takes all. So every company is having a chance to fulfill their existing customers based on their region. Yeah, we plan that so far, no Asia-based leader using this kind of technology. We want to be the pioneer in Asia to have the scalable operations. Because we see, even though we work with fashion brands coming from EU or other countries, Usually they manufacture in Asia. So we want to be their closer partners to fulfill their existing garment manufacturers. That's our target, strengthening our position in Asia. That's a great point. I didn't think about that, but so many of the world's leading garment manufacturers have located the vast majority, and in some cases, all of their production to Asia. So we really already have them in our backyard. Adi, really appreciate you sharing with us all of the work you've done with mycelium, which indeed seems to be a promising alternative to leather and other polluted, commonly used materials for that matter. Very cool to be able to walk through the wide range of downstream industries that we're selling into. And your description of the process of proving out your offering with a prospective customer was really eye-opening. Thanks again for joining. Thank you so much, Alan. Yeah, hopefully it can inspire others. I'm sure it will. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Endos Techno podcast with us. Terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi. Bye.